Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Season 2 of Surviving Motherhood. I'm Chris, a wife and mom of four boys. And I'm Rachel, a wife and mom of a boy and a girl. We're sister-in-laws living in the South just trying to laugh through the ups and downs of motherhood. So grab your coffee or wine and settle in for some real talk. Hey everyone, welcome to Surviving Motherhood Podcast. We're back with another episode and today we have a repeat guest and we're very excited to have Tara back with us. She is a pediatrician and a friend and we are going to talk more about um, some experiences with her in her job at the NICU and um, we're also going to give Chris a chance to talk about her own parenting journey with having a NICU baby. So how are you guys tonight? Everybody there? Everybody good? Hi, good. Hey. Uh, Okay. So Chris, do you want to, before we kind of go into the NICU questions, do you want to kind of give a little bit of a backstory on your journey with having a baby that had to go to the NICU? Sure. Okay. So first of all, I will say that I wish Tara had worked in the NICU where Beckett was. That would have made it a lot nicer. Mm -hmm. So I just want to preface (laughs) with saying Tara was not his doctor, but that would have been awesome. I would have loved to have (laughs) taken care of him. Yes. Okay. So Beckett, with Beckett, I had gestational diabetes, which That's the only difference in my pregnancy with all the other ones. So I don't know. We don't know if that's why or just however it happened. But Beckett was born at 37 weeks gestation. And for whatever reason, he his lungs weren't developed. So he had to be in the NICU and he was there for 13 days. I think I've said it before on the podcast, but and it was honestly probably the worst 13 days ever of my whole life. And had I had a friend or been able to listen to a podcast about the NICU, maybe I would have, it wouldn't have been so horrible. Maybe I could have had some answers. So that's what kind of sparked us getting into this and doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, so, Tara, yes. what? how long have you worked in the NICU and kind of what your, or, well, Give us a little bit of update about yourself first. For anybody that didn't listen to her last episode, she was on and gave us some great just advice straight from the pediatrician. So, but now we're going to be more specific with the NICU. But tell us a little bit about you and your family before we kind of head into the rest of it. Yes. Oh, y'all, I'm so excited that you asked me to be back on um, this. Look, I just said, um, and I swore after I re-listened to my (laughs) old one that I wasn't going to do that. Um, we all have ticks. You just got to yeah. roll with it. I said, once you know it, like now you know. So you're going to say um, a thousand times I mean, tonight. For That's just real, how it goes. Listening to yourself is hard. But th- so thank you for asking me back <laughs> even after that. Uh, I'm <laughs> so excited. Yes, I, so I am a mom of three. My husband and I, who he's wonderful. And I'm going to give him a shout out because I didn't do that last time either. 
Uh, he, we've been married for 11 years and we have three kiddos, ages seven, four, and almost two. I finished my pediatric residency training going on four years ago now. So I've been out of residency for four years. And since I finished residency, I have worked as a general pediatrician in the step-down NICU and the nursery. So I've been doing just newborn baby NICU care for the past three and a half years. And I love it, love it, love it. And I wish that I would have taken care of sweet little baby Beckett, but he was, mm-hmm. he was born before I was done with training. Um, yeah. That's what I was about to say. He, he's almost six. Right. Yes. So. so, and we really didn't even know each other then Chris. So nope. no even text messaging or anything at that point in our good, That's good for you. Cause I would have blown you <laughs> up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, it is so scary, but the NICU is a really special place. And I know it's terrifying for parents, but I really love my job. So that's kind of, I've just been doing that, and that's what we've been doing. Awesome. Okay, so what is the most common, if there is a most common? I know I kind of learned a little with the NICU. It's kind of all over the place, but is there a most common reason that babies go to the NICU? Yes, so good question. So um, by and large, the most common reason that a baby has to come to the NICU is because the baby is born early. Um, premature birth is more common than we wish that it was about approximately 10% of babies that are born in the United States um, every year are born prematurely. And that's really mm-hmm. the main reason that a baby has to come to the NICU. We always want babies to be able to stay with their mamas, but if they're not healthy enough to stay with their mamas or they have something going on, then they have to come be with us in the NICU. And the most common reason for that typically is prematurity. Like you said, though, there are lots of other reasons, you know, that your baby may have to come, but that is probably the most common one. And what is considered premature? So, yes. So we know that technically 40 weeks, right, is completely full Mm -hmm. term. Really, though, we give 37 weeks and above kind of the full term, um, I guess the full term badge of 37 weeks. So um, 36 weeks and six days or less is considered preterm. Gotcha. So, so Beckett was right there on the line. He was right there on the line. but He barely made he, it. And he's a wimpy white boy. <laughs> yes. And, and <laughs> they really do, for some reason, you do see kind of these differences in, um ethnicities and those types of things and how they do in the NICU. But, um, yeah, 37, he just made the cutoff, the diabetes thing and all things considered, you know, there's a lot of things that can bring a baby to the NICU just besides being born early. So, um, we see that. Well, and Beckett's personality is a little, he has a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. So maybe, (laughs) so maybe he just decided to be like, Hey, you guys, I'm here and I'm going to make everybody know about it. And I'm going to make it a big deal just right away, right off the bat. I tell family sometimes (laughs) it's so funny because what part of my job, we get to go to all these deliveries and right out of the gate, some babies are just like, Ooh, this baby is declaring it's their birthday and they are going to make it known to everyone, you know, even their little personalities right early on. It's just so funny to see that. Yeah. Beckett, Beckett was born on Friday the 13th too. So my word, he He mm -hmm. went all out. 
He did. Yeah, he definitely. And my mom was actually in Florida on the beach. Oh, no. When I had to, he had a D cell, and so they had to induce me. So, like, I had a little bit of time, but, like, mom wasn't there when he was born. She got there a little bit later. I bet that was so hard for her. I bet she was trying so hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then like, you know they took him like immediately. Right. So then she, by the time she got there, she didn't get to see him initially. So it was dramatic. It's really he, hard. Mm-hmm. He made an entrance. He made an entrance. He sure did. Oh, it's a little like it. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, Lawson showed his personality immediately too. Really? He cried the f- he cried the first thirty minutes after birth. <laughs> <laughs> what baby does that for 30 the first 30 whole minutes yeah you're like woo baby yeah he cried he just cried and cried and they everybody was texting me being like Adeline really wants to meet the baby Adeline did not want to meet that dang baby she could not care less uh, Man, I wanted they, to meet the they baby. kept blaming it and I'm like y'all he is screaming like I'm not bringing anybody else in y'all this. like what like, give me a oh yeah I know see yes I'm so I kept yes I kept trying to explain I'm like He's screaming <laughs> like I'm trying to get him calm down. He won't he even he won't stop. He won't he won't just stop yelling. So he's now he either is laughing or crying. And that apparently was he was crying. You know, as, the, as so. the pediatrician taking care of your baby, I love a good screaming newborn baby. I mean, that Ooh. is like music to my ears. So I would be like, yes, oh, about Lawson. you just uh, you go on he, with that cry baby. Oh, he was he was a giant, healthy looking baby boy. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he was nine pounds ten ounces at thirty nine. Oh wow! There was nothing wimpy about that white boy. Oh, for, <laughs> yeah. Was Adeline nine pounds too, or was that a surprise? No, no, it wasn't a surprise. She was eight and a half okay. pounds at forty weeks. Oh. So she was very nicely baked, but he was he felt well done, he was overdone. Extra. Yeah, he's just extra. <laughs> Yeah, sunny. Yeah, Beckett was six pounds even. He was my smallest, smallest baby. baby. Yeah. You're a tiny, sweet little baby. And he was only 18 inches long. He was just a tiny little peanut baby. Yes. And when they took him out, you know, they put him on me immediately. Right. And he was doing like the, I guess, uh, to me at the time, it didn't sound weird. Like I didn't notice anything, but everybody in the room started to kind of be like, like acting all weird. Uh, yeah. And so we were like, what, what's happening? And they're like, oh, well, he sounds, you know, we're getting the Nikki team in here or whatever. And they took him then and I didn't get to hold him again for a week. Oh, so. that's so hard. I know. I hate that. But oh. I know. But whatever this, it's like he was crying. He was making a sound. He was probably just. But obviously it was a concerning yeah. sound. Mm-hmm. They can do yeah, that. Not the right sound. Yes. We're, we're <laughs> right. trying to know the difference. That's right. Yes. Oh, oh, gosh. Okay. So what is the hardest thing for NICU babies to overcome? Like what step yes. does it seem like they all kind of struggle with? Right. Yes. I think that probably most consistently the hardest thing is learning how to eat. Mm-hmm. A lot, you know, there will be a fair share of them that are going to need respiratory support and they're going to need the extra oxygen. But That's typically not the biggest hurdle. That's definitely one of the hurdles and maybe the most serious of the hurdles, you know, are these types of things. But the most difficult, the thing that typically takes the longest and requires the most patience is just these babies that were born early and hadn't developed those skills 
needed to eat mm-hmm. and they usually get a later start right because if you're if you're having trouble breathing then we're not going to be worried about your eating we're going to get that taken mm-hmm. care of first so yeah. they typically have a the hardest time figuring out how to take all those bottles all that milk and gain weight and do that consistently without having kind of some setbacks with that so that's usually the time when we have the conversation with the parents that this is going to be hard because it's going to feel like forever. And you feel mm-hmm. like your baby should naturally know how to eat. You know, that feels like something that should be really instinctual and really natural. It shouldn't be hard to get a baby to take a bottle. Um, but it is a lot of times for those babies that start out in the NICU. And so that's probably the biggest hurdle, usually the last hurdle that they have, but it is the biggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what was so hard for me with that with Beckett was like, he was seemingly healthy. Yes, in all other aspects. So it's like, okay, he's fine. Just let me take him home. I'll figure out how to feed him. Yes. You know, And it's like, they're like, no, because if he doesn't do it, he's gonna get worse. And then he's gonna, you know, regress or whatever. Yes. But it just felt so frustrating. Like, there are other babies that have eating problems and they get to go yeah. home. You know, I, I just know. felt so like, let him go. It is, it is, I would, I feel like it is the hardest kind of thing for parents because it feels like you said, they look healthy. The oxygen's gone. They're laying in this crib. They look bigger, breathing comfortably. They just cannot take all of these bottles all the time. And it does mm-hmm. feel is very hard for parents and it's hard to, be like, I promise that you will get there. It's just your baby yes. is not safely there yet, but it is very yes. hard. And yes. I feel like that it feels like the first step that they can have more control over. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because they, they might be feeding the bottles or the nurse, you know, right. it's like somebody's actually feeding them the bottles. They can't speed up the ability to get off oxygen right, or yes. get, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But it's the one thing where you're like, maybe if I wake them up less or I take their swaddle off or I tickle their feet, yes. no, <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe they'll eat. That's really true. Well, and mm-hmm. it's just that trust factor too of like, it's a different nurse feeding your baby, Mm -hmm. whether it's day shift, night shift, a different day, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like he would eat a bottle for the day shift nurse, Mm -hmm. but then he was too tired to eat it three hours later. So then I'm like, that nurse is just lazy. They just didn't try hard. They just, she was too busy. Yes. So it's just hard, just that feeling. And when Becca was in the NICU, they didn't have these fancy little cameras where I could watch Mm -hmm. him, you know? So it's like, I didn't know. So it's just that feeling of just, such a victory and then it would just crash three hours later and then you know it's just like up and down and up and down I was just like "Ah." you had a toddler at home that yes that's 17 yes it is so hard I let me just give a shout out to my NICU nurses here though because they are the most special breed I like love them so much but Chris Mm -hmm. you're right like it is hard for parents because of course they have shifts right and They can't be the same person every time. And parents kind of get attached to some of them, you know, a little bit more maybe than others. And it is, it is hard to kind of feel like, well, how did my baby eat so well for you and not for you? But, um, I promise you, they all have the same goal and they are wanting to feed your baby safely and, you know, do all (laughs) of these things to get your baby home. And, you know, parents know that, but it is, it is hard 
And I always tell, yes, I always well, tell parents, and- I'm never the one that feeds the baby, right? Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm never feeding the baby. It's either the therapist or the nurse or the parents. And so I'm coming in looking at these numbers and looking at all, you know, the chart and all things to be considered. And it is really hard. Um, the feeding is really hard for sure because of all of the factors yeah. that play into it. But well, and when you think logically about your own baby, like my child would eat three bottles great in a row and then not want anything to do with the fourth one or whatever right. it yes. may be. Yeah. But in that, in those high, you know, stress situations, you're like, Oh my gosh, it just makes it. You're every, it makes everything worse. Everything and you're also you're, postpartum. You're postpartum. You're scared. Yes. Like you said, Whoa. you have, I tell parents, it's really hard to have your baby in the NICU. It is so hard. It is even harder to have your baby in the NICU when you have other babies at home and you mm-hmm. really feel the because stress. Heart's being yes. And they, and you can mm-hmm. see that on their faces. And as a mom, I'm like, girl, I can't imagine how hard this is. It's okay to go home for a little bit, you know, go be with those babies. Because some moms feel bad if they leave, you know, for... Oh, yeah. Well, it's just that judgment where you're just like, okay, if I'm in the NICU, are they thinking, well, who the heck has her other baby? But if I'm not in the NICU, then are they all the nurses passing my kid's empty room thinking, oh, he hasn't has a visitor all day. You know, it's just like, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Let me, when in reality, nobody's worried about where you are. (laughs) Anyone out there has a NICU baby or you just need some reassurance. We are not judging you. Okay. We, most of us are, have families and you, it's, it's literally impossible to be there all the time. Even if this is your only baby, I mean, sometimes just being in that hospital building all the time is Mm -hmm. so hard. And I think some of the most helpful things I've ever done in my job in the NICU is tell parents, y'all leave and go to dinner and go to Target or, you know, get out in the fresh air. I promise you, your baby will be right here when you get back and we will take very good Mm -hmm. care of him. And you know, sometimes you just see this, like, mm-hmm. thank you for permission to just, like, step out of these doors for a minute, you know? Cause, oh, absolutely. And you did just have a baby. Like, girl, you need yes, to go sleep like, somewhere. You, you can't sit yeah. normal. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. But it is just, so It hard. was horrible. It's so hard. They only had a wooden rocking chair in Beckett's room. A wooden rocking chair. Like, this is uncomfortable. I was like, guys, I don't know if you know this or where he just came out. But this wooden rocking chair is not. We're gonna it need right a now. cushion up in here, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a donut. A like, donut. Let's get real. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this. Y'all know I'm wearing a diaper yeah. right now. Like, just so you're the aware. This is not the only one in a diaper in here, people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was just so. I mean, I can just remember just like uncontrollably bawling and people are like what can we do what can you know and I'm just like I don't know I I just don't know know. the worst part was that you had planned to the like nth degree of getting that dang sweet because you (laughs) they had we even switched hospitals for Beckett's delivery which was a terrible idea but because they had this dad suite Mm. attached to the room Right. Where we have all kinds of family. Yes. That, so she was like, I'll get this suite and then there'll be plenty of room. Griffin can play over here. Uh, Everybody can visit the mm-hmm. new baby over here. Mm-hmm. No. Girl, this is what happened that when suite. we plan. Yeah. I'm like, 
Um, oh, I mean, but then it felt even worse because the suite felt so lonely oh, yeah. because it was like there was this horrible piece missing. Like, even though people still came and people were still like would still visit me, you know, and just like we ask watched about what it, game in, in the suite. suite. This place sounds <laughs> we did. fancy because yeah. you had them on a Friday. So Saturday we watched a game. Yeah. I mean, but it was just like uh, just the most empty. I just can't even. It probably took me a solid three years to get over Beckett's birth. I know. And Collier, I had Collier in between that too. And remember, Rachel, I bawled when Collier was born. Yeah. Because he was born at 37 weeks. But he was fine. And he was fine. He was completely healthy. Yeah. Yeah, So when they handed him to me and nobody was making a weird, you know, of course, then I'm like, did y'all hear him? Is everything fine? Are we good? Mm -hmm. And so I ever when everyone walked in to meet Collier, I just completely lost Aww. it. I was and they were like, What's wrong? And I was like, Y'all get to meet him and hold him and he's fine. Well, if I remember correctly too, and I don't remember who it was, but when we walked in and you started crying, somebody was like, Is he not okay? And yes, like, no, my mom. Up. Was he your mom? Yes. I thought that's like who it was, but I didn't want to like, say what's anything. the matter. Is what is something just, wrong with him? And I was just like, Y'all shut up. <laughs> Oh, oh man! I'm like she will tell. Uh, she will let us know right. if, if something's wrong. And you like, no, he's fine. I think he's not, he's he's not Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, what's one thing that you wish all NICU parents could know? Okay. So, I have two things. I think two okay. things. I'm changing the question. What are two things I wish? NICU what are two things? <laughs> I think the first thing is this will be a memory one day. You will go home from here. It mm-hmm. You can just see the weight of just the length. A lot of times, not all babies stay in the NICU for a week or more. You know, some it's a short stay. But mm-hmm. for a large percentage of them, they're there for, like you said, you're, you know, up to two weeks or some of them are there for, you know, they have their hundred day birthday in the NICU. They're there for months. And so I think for the very vast majority of these babies, they're going to get to have a homecoming and they are one day going to be a toddler running around like crazy, making a mess in your house. And so (laughs) just for them to know you are going to get there because it feels just like you're in slow motion for them. And you can see that in my own, my little boy, he is too, and he just had his tonsils taken out, and we just had to stay overnight one night in the hospital. And I was literally just thinking about how hard it was to not be at home and to be sleeping mm-hmm. in this hospital overnight. And I immediately thought of the families that do this for weeks and months, and just that's hard. It's just really hard. Um, yeah. But it, it will be, you know, you will get there. You just kind of have to just cling to that, that we will get there. And then I think the second thing is that I always want parents to know that we are on your team and we want your baby home with you as much as you want your baby home. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm -hmm. that we have to kind of bring the bad news or, you know, the well, I thought that maybe your baby was going to be more ready to do this, but they're just not ready. And in the NICU, the baby is the boss, right? Like 
I'm not yeah, the boss. Yeah. You're not the boss as a parent. Like the baby is the boss of all of us, this tiny little baby. And we, <laughs> we go at the pace that the baby needs and we do what the baby needs. And so sometimes I feel like it, it since it is just so hard, parents can maybe sometimes feel like that we are not, we don't have the same goal maybe, you know, and mm, I just oh, for want sure. them to know from nurses to therapists to the physician, all of us, our number one goal is your baby home with you healthy, you know? And so Mm -hmm. everything we do is to that end. And when you feel like you're taking a hundred steps back, it's because we know that if you don't, you're going to go home unwell, right? Like you're not going Mm -hmm. to be as healthy as you can be. And so I just, we just want, I want, I wish that they could always remember, even when it feels like we're telling you the news you don't want to hear, it is still because we're on your team to do the best thing for your baby. So, yeah, I think that it's, I think that you, you have, there's an anger side to it not working out the way that you have it in your head. So you just, you know, it's like you, you don't, you're not mad at your sweet little baby of course right so it's like okay it's the doctor's yeah. fault clearly <laughs> clearly you know? yes. obviously they have it out for me and my right. baby so they for they, they want my money yeah or you know yeah. like you really do have like completely irrational thoughts yeah of like mm-hmm. and we get how that. can I reconcile this right. you know yeah and I get that because you're like really and but really like it is just a hundred percent we are on your side to do what's best for your baby right. we want the same thing and that's a healthy baby right yeah, you tell right. your baby to hurry up. Yeah. The yeah. doctor has nothing to do with it. No, just, yes. That's right. And you can, I mean, you know, it's like I would go, like I said, in waves. There would be times where I'm like, these people are my angels and they are just treating my baby so good, you know. And then there's times where I'm like, they hate me and this baby and they're clearly trying to keep him forever. Chris, you really would have been, we really should have been friends then because maybe. Yes. Oh, I needed some stability. I, well, this is so hard. I mean, not that I could have offered much because I hadn't uh, finished all my training at that point yet. But <laughs> yeah, still. But, yeah. Oh, gosh. It was, holy, it was a ride for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so what would you say is the absolute best part of your job? Oh, that's such a fun question. Um, I mean, obviously the babies, I never, I mean, like they're the best patients. I don't know why every doctor in the whole world doesn't want to do my job. And 
I know that all my colleagues feel like this because we always just talk about how we have the best job in the whole wide world. Um, because they're just the, and, and babies are really pretty resilient, right? Like they can overcome mm-hmm. some seriously huge, huge things. And so to see a baby go from a tiny little premature baby that isn't even able to try to eat to a baby that is eating and growing and looking at you is just really, really, really fun. So um, I think just the getting to work with babies all day, the fact that I get to be so focused and they get better. um, Mm -hmm. And obviously you get to make some fun relationships with the families. And so I really love that. Yeah. I think it's crazy how babies really, I mean, I know the science behind it, but just like the just simple fact that they don't in the NICU, especially they don't really eat at first, Mm -hmm. like you barely feed them. And they're just like, they're they're just getting used to being on the outside. And I'm like, oh my God, are they not starving? I'm starving. (laughs) (laughs) Like I know the logic behind it, but every time, like I just, it catches me off guard. I'm like, man, babies are really cool. They are so cool. It is. People, it is the neat, they have the neatest physiology. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, science talk, but I really love all the way that their little bodies and God made them to work. It's just really fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Their bodies just, they, they try their best. Sometimes it takes them longer than others. But, that's right. But they're built, most of them are very much built to survive. Yes, that's right. Survival. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah. So what are some of the more serious and not so serious reasons that a baby may be in the NICU? Yes. So, and it does span, you know, we have all different types of reasons to be in the NICU. And let me caveat this, that when your baby is in the NICU, it feels like the most serious, even if it's not right. So Mm, I know that it feels like life or death regardless regardless I know that if I'm walking into your room and I your baby to me is not on my like super serious list I know to you that it's the most serious thing that's ever happened to you so Mm -hmm. um so all of us feel like it's really serious but the, the most serious reasons are extreme prematurity you know those babies that are born just way earlier than you would um want them to be just because there's no better place for a baby than inside their mama's belly. And mm-hmm. we try to do everything we can to mimic that environment once they're here, but it's just the perfect place for a baby to be. And, and let me also preface this with, I am, there are, so I'm a general pediatrician that works in kind of the less intensive NICU. My colleagues mm-hmm. um, that I also work alongside, they are neonatologists. And they Mm -hmm. are extra trained. So they do three more additional years of training after pediatrics. Yes. That is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. (laughs) And they, but they do that extra training to take care of those really intensive care babies. And they're phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just have so much respect and uh, admiration for them. But so extreme prematurity and those babies have a lot more issues with their lungs, um, sometimes with some neurological things. Um, we also have babies that are born with, you know, things like spina bifida, or they might be born with um, heart defects or intestinal defects that land them in the NICU. And those can sometimes be a little bit more serious. They require more intervention. Um, 
some less serious things is your baby might um, need like just a little bit of oxygen. You know, sometimes babies born by C-section, they just have a, a little bit of respiratory distress and they don't need to be on a lot of support, but they just need a little mm-hmm. bit and they get off of it in like a day or two. Um, sometimes babies have jaundice issues. They need to come to the NICU for, um, sometimes babies have really mm-hmm. like right out of the gate. They'll have that. Uh, usually not out of the gate. If the it's gate. right out of the gate, it's probably pretty serious. That, that can kind okay. of been not serious to more serious, uh, but maybe like after gotcha. a day or so, some babies have blood sugar just, issues that they have to like before with, discharge, like before discharge, right? Like maybe they get okay. to go with mom, but then their levels are just too high that, you know, they can't. Maybe mom's blood type and baby's blood type don't match. That can set them up for more issues. And But usually gotcha. those things we can take care of in a couple days. They're usually, you know, those babies aren't born early. Being born early really mm-hmm. makes it way harder for you as a baby. Yeah. Chris, I wanted to ask a question while I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You had, did you just spend one night with Lincoln? Yeah, so Lincoln was discharged and then got jaundice yeah, at home. Right. Um, so Does that they, even feel like in the same ballpark as what happened with Beckett? I barely no. remember that it happened. No. Like, sorry. <laughs> like Beckett's, Beckett's is very ingrained in my brain. It's like you took him to the doctor and then decided to go ahead and take him to chill. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it was a quick thing and I barely blinked over it. I think I kept your kids at some point. Mm-hmm. It was the same but- for me. It, it was not, which with Beckett, he wasn't, I don't know that he was necessarily a typical NICU because Beckett was like, they tried this thing called surfactant. Yes, Is that surfactant. still a thing? Uh-huh, yeah, surfactant. Okay. Mm-hmm, we give that. Yeah, so they tried that. It didn't work. They vented him. He was vented for like five days. Then they pulled the vent. He wasn't ready. So they tried the surfactant again. Then they had to revent him. So, I mean, it was like a little that's more. That's hard. Of, yeah. That's a lot a of setbacks. Yeah. 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 So like our friend Allison just had a baby and he was in the NICU and it felt, which also it wasn't my baby in the NICU. So of course it felt smoother for me, right, but yeah, like he yeah. never had to be vented. It was just the nasal cannula. Yes. I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm pretending like I know. Girl, those are terms. the right terms. You go. I mean, Grace Anatomy, you know, <laughs> <It's so accurate. laughs> she's, she's got her almost nurse degree. You guys. Yeah. Okay. You know, we always joke about that one year in nursing school and I act like hey, I really got going on. Stuff. <laughs> anyway so, what you learned yeah but it felt a lot less like he's he with Beckett it was like he's doing a lot better and then he's crashed and he's vented again you know so it yeah. just felt more with with Lincoln I wasn't at all worried about the jaundice it was like the forecast was like seven stormy days in a row so we knew we weren't going to be able to set him in the sun mm. so the the doctor was like just go ahead and take him they'll put him under the light it'll be 12 hours and then he'll be fine and back home, you know? So that's literally how it felt. It just, but he was also my fourth and Beckett was my second. Right. So that may have something to do, you and know? Don't you feel like kind of, as it was presented to you, like you said, with Beckett, everyone in their room kind of started acting like a little nervous and kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And so there was like, yeah. as opposed to who was it? Was it Lincoln? Or Collier. Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln, was Lincoln was like, Oh, it'll just be a quick stay. So kind of even, starting off it was like we're a little bit stressed versus oh we got this right oh yeah and our neonatologist when he came in after Beckett was born it was like they took him and he was gone for two hours and nobody came in our room yeah and then when he came in 
his face. I'm not kidding. Oh. We, we thought Beckett had died. Rachel yes, was in the room. I was in the oh, room no. and he asked if he could speak in front of us. And Chris was like, yeah. yeah and he was he like, looked, yes. And I was like, what is about to happen? Yeah, it literally, oh, yeah. like we literally thought, okay, he, this is worst case scenario. Beckett didn't make it. I mean, oh, yes. it was literally that bad. It was and terrifying. Just, yeah. He just like the way that he like looked at Rachel and he's like, can I say this in front of her? You know, I mean, it was just like, we're just like, spit it out. Oh, like, what? and for him, you know, he's thinking I'm going back and cause in his, and usually in your brain, 37 weeks, you should not, you, you, this does happen. It's not uncommon, but ideally we're not mm -hmm. having to take your baby to the NICU. So having to deliver that news feels yes. heavy. So he was probably like, I'm about to go tell he her. Was, yes. And not only that, but he was on the ventilator. That's a big deal. Yes, yeah. yes. And he was, I mean, he really was not doing right. Well. I yeah, mean, he was sick. And, you know, he was never like life or death, like it felt. It was never like they were worried he wasn't going to make From it. From that doctor's face, you could not tell. Oh, it was, it was terrifying. Uh, my gosh. It and was one of those where I almost was like, I'm going to go ahead and step out. Like, I know you guys <laughs> don't want to hear this. But news. this feels pretty heavy. And I'm just going to give you guys a minute. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, it was just, oh my goodness, which Griffin was also, Griffin's my first and he was also born at 37 weeks. Right. And, and he was perfectly fine. Like he had a D cell and had to be induced and he was just safer outside than right. in and he was perfectly fine. So it was like, it never really crossed our mind that Beckett wouldn't be. And I'll say it was in hindsight, it was probably a good thing for him to have not been because I think that as miserable as I am in pregnancy, I would have pushed the boundaries a little more, like wanting them to take them sooner. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yes. If had I not known, okay, he really might not be done. You know what I mean? I kind of was invincible with the first, just like he's well, born and, at 37 weeks. He was yeah, fine. Let's do this. Again, yeah. And with Beckett, you were having false labor and like had to go in several times and mm -hmm. were, you were ready to be done. Oh, absolutely. So. I was like, just take him. It'll be fine. Just like my last one, you know? And that's and my doctor's like, no, it doesn't work yeah, like that's that. Really <laughs> hard though, you want parents to know, cause and you're like, all babies are different. Like, girl, I know your first baby didn't do this, but that does not mean your second baby will, is not doing it. That's mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, it, yeah, the jaundice thing was like definitely a just no big deal compared, which I will also say shout out to my doctor, my pediatrician after Beckett, because when he came out of the NICU and he was home and, you know, we went for like what would be the one week appointment, but for him, it was his three week, right. you know, because yeah. he had been, my doctor said, look, I want you to pretend None of this happened. I want you to pretend he was born perfectly healthy one week ago and treat him that way. He said, do not like when he gets a cold, it's not like he has compromised lungs. He said he he's fine now. Yeah. So I want you to treat him just like a, a perfectly healthy baby now. Just erase what has happened, you know, which I was so thankful yes. for because I think that anytime I heard like a wheeze. I'd be like, oh gosh, it, yeah, this is not going to go yeah. well on his compromised lungs, yeah. you know. And I he's know. like, they're not compromised anymore. He's, better he's now. fine. That's right. Yeah, he's fully developed. Yes. He just needed that extra time. Yes. yes. Okay. So, is there any way to prevent your baby from going to the NICU? 
cross your legs and don't go into labor. Is that how that yeah, works? That's, no, that's all you have to do, literally. If they would all do that, I would have no job. Until yeah, 40 weeks, and then you can open them, and then you're tearing I would have no job. Not that easy. Not, not that, that easy. easy. I wish. No, we really don't. The most common reason babies come to the NICU is for preterm labor, and we really don't know how to stop it. So, no, there's really – um, nothing that you can do. It's not our fault. It's not. No, I mean, certainly certain things can put you more at risk. Like if you're pregnant and you're just not trying, you know, I mean, drug use can put you at risk for preterm labor and these types of things. But, um, most of the time we don't know why, you know, occasionally, Mm -hmm. um, moms might have to be induced because they're sick, you know, and, we don't want mm-hmm. your baby to come early, but it sometimes becomes a, you're not really healthy with the baby in there anymore. Your baby's safe. We can help your baby at this point, right? If your baby's big enough that, yes, we may have to have the NICU, but at right. this point, you're we have to do this for you. And so there's really, I mean, you do those things that you try to do anyway. You try to be smart when you're pregnant and and do the best that you can, but there's really nothing that you can do outside of just making good choices to not increase your risk, I guess, if that makes sense. Don't do yeah. drugs. You know, I would say you learned that in <laughs> kindergarten, I think. Like, drugs, yeah. Red ribbon. Red ribbon uh, um, but really, yeah. Yes. And try, I mean, you know, th- that's those types of things are that probably you're doing anyway. But for the vast majority of women and moms, there's nothing that you did. There's nothing you could have done. You just went into preterm labor. We don't necessarily even know why you're here now though. And so we're going to take care of you and your baby and get you guys both home safely and healthy. So. Yes, definitely. Okay. So this is, um, I I think I know the answer to this question, but are all NICUs the same? What do you think the answer is? No, No. (laughs) that's my guess because you've already mentioned the two different ones at your hospital. You're at a hospital, right? Though, so that and um, you have probably a lot more um, uh, you know, difficult pregnancies that come through the hospital you're at specifically, right? Yes. So I'm in a big institution, right? And we get lots of referrals. So no, not all NICUs are the same. So that's something, you know, if you're pregnant to maybe think about, especially if you've had a baby born early before, but there are different levels of NICUs. There's really four levels and level one, oh, wow. mm-hmm, level one is really kind of just basic, what we call nursery care. So where I work, I take care of what's called the well baby nursery. So these babies are born, you know, full term. They're not having any issues. They get to be with their mama in the room. We check kind of routine labs, but they're not on the monitor. They're not having issues that are just not kind of normal newborn baby things. All the way up to level threes and level fours that can take care of really, really the extremely sick babies and and provide all of those interventions that those babies would need. And, and a level one and level two NICU cannot do what a level three NICU can do and then not do what a level four kind of the, the top tier level NICU can do. And, and usually those are like children's hospitals or really, really big institutions that have subspecialists that are available. 
um, you know, for babies, maybe that need heart surgery, those types of things, you're not just going to be able to do that anywhere that a baby can be born. Mm -hmm. So, so there are differences for sure. And you may, as a pregnant lady, you may get referred to an institution that has a higher level NICU if your baby has certain risk factors. Yes. I have kind of a sad question. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're, so if your baby is discharged, they're never readmitted to the NICU, right? Is that only babies that have not left or can there be a baby in the NICU that has gone home, but comes back? So different NICUs probably have different policies on this. Typically NICUs are really safe spaces and that what goes, yeah, if once it's out, you don't get to come back because come back in because we try to be very Mm -hmm. strict about bringing in germs or those types of things. But that uh, there are certain cases where a baby can be readmitted to the NICU that they were in. And that is probably institution Mm -hmm. dependent. But for instance, if your baby leaves and maybe has a, a jaundice issue, they may potentially be able to be readmitted back to the NICU that they were at, depending on how long they've been gone and those types of things. But that's usually kind of institution dependent. Some will not yeah. allow that, right? Yeah. And I feel like it'll probably vary by what resources are available in the Definitely. area. Because mm-hmm. we have, you know, a great children's hospital For sure, here. right. And so I'm sure that most of the babies that are discharged from the area NICUs, um, if they have any other issues, they probably go straight to our children's right. hospital. Yes. Yeah, so rather than Lincoln did. Right. Yes. Yes. Rather than going back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, like you said, because we do have such a great children's hospital, that would be the thing to do. You know, we've got a kid baby issue going to the children's hospital makes the most sense, but, but right. it's not like an absolute law yeah but you know and not <laughs> and not everybody has a you know a children's specific hospital mm-hmm. near them either we are very lucky I actually gave birth to my babies at a hospital that does not even have a NICU so I just managed to be super lucky yeah. I remember when I was mm-hmm. born with Ad, with, with Adeline well I mean also we're a very quick ambulance ride away right was my thought process yes. like like worst case scenario, like I went through it in my head and that was, a, I, that was my worst case scenario. They can hop on the interstate and head down and to the transport, it, pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but well, did it change for you too? Because when Adeline was born at the hospital without the NICU was before Beckett was born. Yes. So I feel like maybe had you not had no, any. No, because yet, I had loss in there. I know, but do, do, don't you feel like it's because you had Adeline there? So it was kind of like. You know what I mean? Like, maybe, had you not, right. maybe somewhat, but I also just really loved my doctor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, I wouldn't, if I didn't love my doctor, I would have never had my children at that hospital. I, I but I, I, I must say, I didn't have any bad experiences with Adeline. We kind of just got left alone because they did have two um, tiny babies that were just born like at the very same time mm-hmm. with Adeline. And they basically left me alone for hours after I had her. Which was awesome because she was completely fine. Right. She, mm-hmm. um, her, she didn't come out great, <laughs> but she recovered really quickly. Her Apgar was not great. And so at first I was like, great, I've made this decision to have her here. Uh, and now she's purple. Oh, so that yeah. was smart, Rachel. Um, <laughs> but they just, but it's just, just fine. 
Yeah, she did fine. She just needed about five minutes um, of coloration, coloration. <laughs> while they sewed yeah. me up. <laughs> and then she was That's fine. But um, is rough. Babies go from oh. in mommy's belly to the world. And sometimes they're like, what in the world am I supposed to do out here? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? Yes. Well, both of mine had to be removed at the end because they were giant. They had both had shoulder uh, dystocia. Yeah. But neither of them had any lasting effects. No broken collarbone. Right. No no injuries afterwards, which is probably why Lawson cried so much. You know, it wasn't real comfortable. I mean, (laughs) it's not real. I mean, it all, it only goes so far guys. (laughs) Stop growing so big. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really had to have a, like a mental meeting with myself of like with Lawson. I was like, okay, do I really want to like, do I want to have this baby here? But Dr. Mm-hmm. Farrell, I loved you so much. You're welcome. There you go. Shout out. You <laughs> we'll see. My, where, yes. Beck, where Beckett was born now doesn't even have, you can't even have babies there anymore. Oh. Yep. So I'm just saying mm. the experience <laughs> might have been the start of the downfall. The sweet wasn't it was worth it. Really, yeah. It was, <laughs> I don't, if you can go between a great hospital and a sweet, pick the good okay, hospital, right, please. Okay. <laughs> That's Chrissy. Don't Just go don't for take sweet. nothing else from this whole conversation. Don't go for yes. the sweet people. Yeah. No, do not. It is not sweet. I'll if tell you. It's a that. great hospital that has a great sweet, but do that. Do that. Do yeah, that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tara, thank you so much for coming back on yes, and chatting with thank us. Thank you so much. I hope it was helpful. We- Oh, yes. And um, we'll have a, a question. Uh, we'll have a question time up in our stories. If you guys have any other questions for Tara, we'll we'll ask her. We we know her well, well we enough know her right now. Right. Y'all we, know know her. Me on. we have her phone number. And now after this episode, she's praying I never have another Nikki baby because now I know her. <laughs> oh, girl, no. I will be all up in your business if you have a Nikki baby. I will be. I love your baby. You you won't have to pry. Believe me. I'll be messaging the house just fine. <laughs> Uh, well thank you so much Tara we really appreciate having your website survivingmotherhoodpodcast.com for all the latest info show notes anything you can dream of it's going to be there Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in and as always good luck surviving motherhood Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.